We'll read several verses. You may remain in your seats. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The other day, one of the men asked Austin and me, why there's so little preaching from the book of Mark in comparison to all the messages from Matthew and John and and Luke. Neither one of us had a good answer, so I made a joke, and the subject was dropped at that point. With that question still in my mind, and thinking about a standalone lesson for this morning, I first turned to Mark for a text for our lesson. Remember that on Wednesday, I said that some consider Mark to have a subtitle, The Gospel According to Peter, because these experts claim that John Mark got his material from his spiritual mentor, the Apostle Peter. Similarly, you might say that Luke could be entitled or subtitled, The Gospel According to Paul. Because they were so closely linked throughout their ministries, and remember Luke was not one of the twelve or even one of the seventy. He came along later, so where did he get his material outside the direction of the Holy Spirit? Well, he spent a great deal of time with Paul. These are suppositions and they're not really important. On the other hand, John was with the Savior from the very beginning of the Lord's ministry. And Matthew became one of the disciples very early on as well. So their Gospels came through the Holy Spirit, obviously. But they were also there. They witnessed what Jesus was doing. And when they wrote uh, uh, the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Matthew, it was with uh, personal experience involved. Think about the fact that of those four men, neither John nor Peter, the two who were closest to Christ and who were with him from the commencement of his ministry, they did not speak about the birth of the Lord. Just not there. That is the Gospel of Mark, 
slash Peter, and uh, then, then John. Could we interpret that to mean that they didn't think that it was as important as some people today think the birth of Christ is important? I'm not saying that the incarnation is not important or that they, those men didn't think so. It's just that they didn't describe it. They didn't talk about it. That Matthew and Luke give us spirit-inspired information means that we must not ignore the birth of Christ, but at the same time, perhaps it's not as important as so many nominal Christians today suggest that it is. And of course, neither Matthew nor Luke tell us that Jesus was born on December 25th in the year one, or it was at zero. This morning, I'd like to make a very brief study of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not his birth, but who he is. Nevertheless, what we're going to use is a seven-point outline that, come, that comes from the seven birth announcements of the Lord Jesus. You are aware that the Old Testament is filled with prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. Most of those prophecies relate to what Christ is yet going to do. Most of them talk about the future from even our point of view. But some of them refer to the incarnation, and I'll just point out three of them before we move on. Micah. 700 years before the events tells us where Christ was to be born. And there's no doubt about it, about the date of the uh, prophet Micah and about the place. Micah 5.2 says in reference to Bethlehem, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of from old, from everlasting. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was born in the insignificant Judean village of Bethlehem. It was not a major community, it was tiny. It, he came just as Micah foretold in this special place. Other prophecies concur with Micah that Jesus is the Messiah and also that he will rule the earth with a rod of iron during the millennial kingdom. So we have the prophecy of the place of Jesus' birth and then it extends on into the future. And then the prophet Daniel, about 500 years before the time, tells us when Christ would be born. It would be 483 years after the Persian decree to rebuild the temple, which took place during Daniel's day. And since it's not my purpose this morning, I won't take you through the math, but it adds up. So we know where and we know when. 
And then Isaiah declared that Jesus would be virgin born, narrowing things down considerably when it comes to the birth of Christ. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. As we shall see, as we have just seen in the book of Matthew, the angel told Joseph, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah. And, I, and, and Joseph was well familiar with that prophecy. It made perfect sense to him, and immediately, almost miraculously, he said, oh, I don't see any problem then taking my uh, beloved, my betrothed to, uh, to my house. We're going to get married. He was convinced that everything was all right because the angel had taken him to an Old Testament scripture. So we know where, when, and even how Christ was to be born. Then, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, for the purpose of redeeming us who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. And that brings us to our theme for this lesson. Seven times Christ's birth announcements were sent out. And each one of these announcements brought to our attention another aspect of who this Jesus really is. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. And in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. We won't go back to the six months, but it's explained in the context there. He came to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, a man of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Excuse me, shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and of the Lord God, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of the Highest. Not only does Gabriel tell Mary about her part in the incarnation, but he emphasizes that her baby will actually be the Son of God, verse number 35, and the Son of the Highest, verse number 32. 
it needs to be made clear that Mary was not the mother of God. We hear that in religious circles. The Son of God had no mother, while being fully the Son of God the Father forever has always been. He is the second person of the Trinity, and that has been from eternity. No, I can't explain it. It's not my place to explain it. I'm not going to try to explain it. I can't prove it outside of the declarations of the Word of God. Here it is. This is what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Father. Mary was not the mother of God. Christ was conceived in Mary through a non-physical way. Not a physical way with the Holy Spirit involved. This was a miraculous conception. It was by an operation of the Holy Spirit, verse number 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. No child ever born outside of Christ has been holy. Was Jesus the son of Mary? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But not in the same sense that some people use that term today, and she was not the mother of his deity. He was God before he ever was born. Mary was, in a sense, the surrogate mother of the physical body of the eternal Son of God. Mary is not to be worshipped. And verse number 28 doesn't even hint that she should be. Hail thou that art highly favored, specially favored by God. There's no doubt about that. What a privilege it was for that lady. What a trial it was for that lady. Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Among women thou art particularly blessed. Mary needed a savior as much as anybody else. And the one she brought into the world was that savior eventually. Going on in Luke chapter 1. That's announcement number 1. Verse number 39 describes the Holy Spirit's announcement to Elizabeth, a relative of Mary. Verse number 39. And Mary arose in those days and went unto the hill country with haste unto a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the the babe that she was carrying at that point leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and spake out with a loud voice and said to Mary, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth recognized that the unborn child Mary was carrying was Elizabeth's Lord. Verse number 43. Whence is it, whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. I am convinced that when we read the word Lord in the New Testament, almost always it is the Old Testament capitalized, fully capitalized L-O-R-D. It's a reference to Jehovah. I think that with the Old Testament context that was in the back of Elizabeth's mind when she said Lord in this verse, she is referring to the Lord God. How is it that the mother who is bringing the Lord God into this world should come and visit me? I am indeed honored. So this chapter teaches us that Jesus, the baby of Mary, is Jehovah, the eternal Son of God. So as we move on in our study of uh, uh, Christology, uh, the study of Christ, we see that he is God. He is at the same time the Son of God. Now go back to Matthew. We read it earlier. Matthew chapter 1 shows us the revelation made to Joseph, Mary's intended husband. He was given uh, a revelation in a dream. He was engaged to Mary. Perhaps that engagement had been uh, facilitated or created by the parents of these two years and years before. It had reached that point when even though the wedding ceremony had not been completed, Mary was considered to be Joseph's wife. They were not living together. They, the ceremonies had not been completed, but she is a spouse to him, and as far as the Jewish society is concerned, they are married. When it was discovered, and probably Mary mentioned it to her, or to her husband, when it was discovered that Mary was carrying a baby, Joseph considered breaking the engagement on the grounds of Mary's infidelity. He was going to do it privately because perhaps the community had not come to recognize that she was expecting that putting away would have involved a divorce because they were considered married by that point. But when he heard what Mary had been told, when it was corroborated by a revelation given to him personally, that her child had been conceived by the Holy Spirit, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, 
he responded to that and went on with the marriage preparations. He was told that this was according to the prophecy which was uttered by Isaiah so many years before. He believed the Lord and was satisfied that Mary had remained faithful both to him and to the Lord. So what he learned was what a lot of liberal Christians today deny, that Jesus was to be and was born of a virgin, according to Old Testament scriptures. Then came the night of Jesus' birth. Chapter 2, book of Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 2. Verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I can just see those shepherds out there. It's pitch black. It's the middle of the night. Stars shining, moon there. And this angel appears and glorious surrounding them. If all of the angels had showed up at once, it's often said the angels were telling them this story. No, it was a single angel, the angel of the Lord. If they all come at once, they, those shepherds might not have survived the revelation. So it came in stages, shall we say, and they are given that information. So they were busy about their work, tending to their sheep, some of them were napping. We don't, we don't know how many there were. Two, it's plural, maybe three. One was napping, the other two had their eyes open watching for wolves or whatever. They were busy tending a herd of sheep. And then the angel of the Lord came and distinctly told them, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. We've already been told that he is Christ. We've already been told that he is Lord. And now we have a new revelation, Savior. They were given some information uh, that was shared with Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth. And then that one new ingredient. Did they understand what the Savior meant? If I had to guess, I would say they didn't understand it the way we understand it because we've been given a lot more information. For them, the Savior might have been the Messiah, 
who is going to deliver Israel out from under the hand of the Romans, which indeed Christ will do, essentially, uh, yet. But at this point, the angel is probably referring to Savior in the way we think of Christ as Savior. It would be interesting to follow the lives of these shepherds from this point to the time of their death. Did they remain in touch with Mary and Joseph? When Christ began his ministry and headed down uh, the Jordan River and went into Judea, were they a part of the, the 70? Ah, we have no idea. It'd be fun to find out. And maybe we will one of these days. Were they saved? I would like to think that they were. If the Lord is going to give them this great revelation, it's not just for our benefit, is it? It must have been for them. The Savior's coming. The Savior's coming. The Savior came. And because of that salvation, great joy is possible. And the rest of the angels showed up, or a number of other angels. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Notice that the angels did not refer to, and in Israel, peace and goodwill to you limited folk. No, it's to the whole world. It's to the whole world. This peace and goodwill didn't come directly through the incarnation of Christ. It's possible only through the sacrifice that this Christ will make on Calvary. Only through Christ Jesus, the Savior, which has been shared with these folk. Luke 2.25 gives us another announcement in regard to Christ. And this is to Simeon, verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. This is after the birth, of of course. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was a just and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. The coming of the Messiah, correction of everything. The Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, circumcision and dedication, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation now which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. To Simeon, the Lord revealed that this baby was actually the Messiah, the anointed of the Lord. Verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should see 
that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The word Christ is the New Testament equivalent of Messiah in the Old Testament. So an announcement was made to Simeon before the birth of Christ, apparently, and this was shared with us after the birth of Christ. Simeon was also aware that the Messiah was the Savior. So he says, I'm ready, Lord. Take me. Let us now, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, because mine eyes have now seen the source of salvation. I have seen thy salvation. So we have a little more added. We have the Messiah, we have Christ, we have the Son of God, we have uh, the virgin birth, a little more information each time. Uh, announcement number six, verse number 34. It's short. This is Simeon sharing what has been revealed to him to Mary. Verse number 34. And Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and the child and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This began what must have been a tormenting and highly confusing life from that point on. That poor woman, Mary in a unique and personal way, was to see her son's sacrificial death, death and realizing at some point that it was absolutely necessary for her salvation. It must have brought her unfathomable pain to see the world turn against her child. We don't like to see our children picked on. We want to defend them against the bullies. Even when they're 25, 28, 33 years old. It must have torn that woman's heart apart to see the hatred of the world against her child. She loved him with a mother's love and a believer's love as well. It put a stress upon her that no other person has ever experienced in this world. She had a unique relationship with Christ. Was Simeon offering her uh, some kindness in this statement? She probably didn't think so. It's at this point that she is told, you know, he's going to be for the dividing of the nations. He's going to separate uh, fathers and sons. He's going to uh, create um, problems between mothers and daughters. He's, this, is, this is your son here. Jesus was, 
has been now for 2,000 years a man of controversy. During his earthly life, people's relationships to him split. There were divisions between families, all because of him. And that, of course, has remained true throughout history. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Your opinion about Christ is the true measure of your heart and soul. You may live without any thought of Jesus Christ, or you may thoroughly hate the name Jesus such opinions prove you to be an enemy of God. Or you may respect Christ. You may read what he says in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and say, these are good precepts. I think that uh, the world ought to live by what Jesus said. That's not enough. If you don't see him as the Son of God... If you don't see him as the Christ, if you don't see him as the Savior, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, your high opinion of him otherwise doesn't mean anything. Simeon told Mary he's going to split the world, and he has. Still doing so. And then... Our last reference, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew, the second chapter. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? They didn't know about Bethlehem for some reason or other. Where is he that is ki born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And when he's troubled, all Jerusalem is troubled with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not, art not, the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall he come for out of thee shall come forth a governor that is to be that shall rule my people Israel. Boy, those are fighting words if you happen to be king. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, going west, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they worshipped with exceeding great joy and when they were come into the house they saw the young child not the baby the young child with Mary his mother they fell down and worshipped him when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh 
And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. To the Magi was given the revelation that Jesus Christ is king. Everything about this particular revelation and the subsequent visit of these men is spectacular, is miraculous. They came from Persia, apparently, where Daniel and others had planted the word of God. They apparently understood the prophecies of the Old Testament in the same way that we understand them. And then to them was given an extraordinary celestial light which cannot be explained by science. It is not the uh, conjunction of several planets together, uh, all of the other supposed explanations all fall apart. It was apparently moving around the sky. It was a miracle. When this unknown number of wise men arrived to Jerusalem, they declared that they were looking for God's king. And eventually they found him, not as a newborn baby, but as a small child. You don't have to believe all those Christmas cards you get. You do have to believe what the Bible says. And we should limit ourselves to what the Bible says as much as makes sense. It, it makes sense. Indeed, Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if he's not your king, then that makes you a rebel. Means you're lost. Yes, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. If we don't have the Christ who is being announced in all of these verses, we don't have God. This is the means. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is how we come to God. A lot of people's Christianity is confined to those Christmas cards. If that's the case, then you need to be born again. Yes, amen. 